Tonight, tonight. Why not? He'll make you think. I think I'm going to break protocol here, though. He'll make you laugh. Is it conceited of me? Because, I mean, I'm puffing my chest out a little bit. And he lives for a take that'll make you do both. He says things I can't say. Nothing tops overtime, whether it's on the field or on the air. People don't forget. It's time for Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin, but not Jonathan Peterlin. Spencer German with you tonight, 7 to midnight, 92 through the fan, 216-474-0092. If you want to jump in on the conversation at any point tonight, we got a lot of stuff to cover and a lot of stuff to get to, including our Browns beat reporter, Dale Ryder, who joins us at 8. John Fanta going to join us at 10 to go around the horn with Cleveland Sports, but obviously, obviously a lot of Browns talk in that conversation. I also need to find out from John is he a DJ or a band guy? Because his wedding's coming up here in September. But out of the gate, guys, I might need you to talk me off the ledge. Because after some of what's transpired over the last week or so, I'm very much living in my fears when it comes to the Browns. And this stems from a number of places. Part of it is Zach Jackson's comments this morning when he was on with Ken and Lima, which we will get to here momentarily. But also just some of the injuries. We saw Elijah Moore get hurt. And we're hearing our Browns beat reporter, Darrell Ryder, talk about how this offense is going to go through Elijah Moore. And the fact that he's already dealing with it's it's a minor injury. He's not going to miss any substantial time, it doesn't sound like, with the rib issue. But the fact that he's already dealing with an injury has me looking around at that wide receiver room and thinking, if they're really running the offense through him and he were to go down, what what are we doing behind him? I still am of the belief that they need to add to that room and need some more depth. And look, I understand you can look around at all these other teams and say, well, if one of their top receivers goes down, yeah, they're kind of screwed. Not the, the, there's It's very few and far between the teams that have an exuberant amount of depth at the wide receiver position that they lose one of their top two guys, they're just going to be all fine and good. But for the Browns, it's kind of been twofold because you got Elijah Moore dealing with an injury. You got a piece in Marquise Goodwin who you added for for the sake of having some extra speed on your roster. And he was supposed to be your take-the-top-off guy. I'm not saying he was going to put up massive numbers this year, but he's dealing with the blood clots, and there's not even a guarantee that he plays this year. So it starts with that group specifically where we've seen so much emphasis on Elijah Moore. Now he's hurt. And you're down, Mark. He's good as well. And I'm sitting here wondering if the Browns are going to do anything to add to that position. It's why I think roster cutdown day is going to be so massively important to see where the Browns' heads are at with this roster as they continue to add to other positions. Shelby Harris, in addition from last week, I got no qualms about the, the defensive line. I feel really good about that group and the way that they bolstered the depth there, even after losing Perrion Winfrey before we even got to training camp. And some other guys to injury right now. But specific to the wide receiver position, which we know, the offense is the thing. It's not that people aren't going to pay attention to the defense, and I actually have a question about the defense coming up here. Because we know how bad it was last year. We need we want to see massive improvement. But the offense is where it's it's at. 
in terms of the thing everybody's, it, it's this shiny new toy. It's a Corvette that's been parked in the garage for quite some time, and now we get to see it unfurled, and we're wondering what it's going to look like, and is Deshaun Watson going to live up to the hype? So, yeah, it's, a lot is riding on the, the the success of this offense this year, and so I'm a little bit concerned about some of the early injuries at the wide receiver position, even though Elijah Morris isn't that serious. It's just a glaring reminder that I think they need some more depth at that position. I really do. And then we get to the Zach Jackson comments today. And I'm going to be honest. I I might have needed this a little bit because I might have been getting a little bit too giddy with the prospect of what this team was going to look like and how after seeing how the first-team offense looked on Friday against Washington, I might have been getting a little bit ahead of myself in terms of excitement about how I feel about this team. After promising myself when training camp started – or really back in June, that I was going to wait to see before I made any judgments about how good or bad this team was going to be. And yeah, I'll still make my predictions and things before the season starts, and I'll have some fun with it, but I need to. they need to prove it to me. That's where I've been at. And so I've been getting a little overzealous after what we saw on Friday and after what we're hearing out of camp, and oh, the defense is all revamped and it looks great, and Deshaun Watson's really slinging it. And Elijah Moore, going to be a focal point of the offense. He looks really good. Him and Deshaun, man, they're really on the same page. That could be one of the best dynamic duos in in the league in terms of a quarterback and a wide receiver connection. Great. And then all of a sudden, like a truck, Zach Jackson come along, comes along and brings me back down to earth, and I kind of walk away feeling like I needed this today. Here's one of a few clips we'll play from Zach Jackson talking about what Deshaun Watson looked like this week in Philly, which, by the way, we had, I had Chris Easterling on a couple weeks ago, and he's before tra- as training camp was really getting going at the very early stages of it, and I asked him, what are you taking away from training camp this year? What do you have your eye on? What are you watching for? And he flat out said, the joint practices in Philly is the real first chance I'm going to take away much. Not that he doesn't take away other things from the preseason games, that you can't look into a little bit of what happened on Friday and some of the wrinkles that we've seen with this offense already and the way Kevin Stefanski's run it with, with all the quarterbacks that have played. But he was saying that those joint practices are one of the first real barometers you get for this team and for the starters. We know day one went pretty well. Day two, maybe not so much. But an overall observation from Zach Jackson, who made it clear this morning he's missed all, he's missed one practice this entire time, is that it's not all glitz and glamour and rainbows and butterflies with what we've seen play out so far with the offense, despite what we all might think to this point. Here was one of the first things we'll play for you from Zach Jackson this morning. The past game needs to be a lot better especially in the pocket. He stands there, he stares guys down, and he throws it to the other team. I mean, it's been all over the place. There's been drops. There's been balls flying off of guys' helmets. And there's been just not a lot of, of good throws, specifically from the pocket. So it's not a pocket offense right now, and we'll see you know, how far they can go with that. Based on the way minicamp went and based on the way a couple of practices at the Greenbrier went, I thought, okay, we're going to see the next level for this pass offense, and we're going to see this jump in comfort level from, from everybody. And instead, it's gone the other way. 
the fact that early in camp, when you're going just against yourselves, it's not padded, it's kind of just not going through the motions, but it's it's less physical and there's not as much going on in terms of really trying to stop you. It's gone from good at that portion to the opposite direction in his eyes is concerning. I think maybe the most concerning thing that Zach mentions in that clip is that he's staring guys down, Deshaun is, and he's not really looking guys off. Now, that doesn't mean that that won't change when you get to the regular season. Deshaun Watson responded to on social media to the notion that he had a bad bad statistics at the, the second day of practices against the Jets yesterday saying basically that it was it's 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 false. He, he and, and maybe that points to they were working on certain things and it wasn't about ex, putting up these massive numbers in that in that setting and in that drill. Fine. I can unwrap my head around that. I'm not saying that just throw throwing the towel, it's all over. But yeah, at this point in camp, especially when you're lining up across from another team that went to the Super Bowl last year and has similar aspirations this year, and that's supposed to be as Chris Easterling and others sort of have said, a real barometer for this team to kind of see where they're at and what they look like and what they can do. It is concerning that Zach Jackson feels they've gone the other way. And look, I get it. Zach Jackson is one guy on the beat. I think Zach Jackson is one of the best authorities on the beat at this point. He does a great job. I think he has a lot of good insight, and I respect his opinion mightily. So when I hear him say that it's gone backwards, I take that seriously. Now, he's, again, only one person on the beat. There's others, and they have eyes, and they're seeing certain things, and I'm sure they have their own commentary on what we've seen, and we've seen, we've heard some of that commentary on what they've seen to this point. But I can't not hear that and be a little bit concerned about where the offense is at at this point if there's not really much of a deep game to this point. And there's not really that consistency of let's put together drive after drive where we're completing a bunch of passes and we're kind of working the ball down the field. Those are things that Zach said have been lacking from this group in more recent weeks of camp. So, yeah, I'm living in my fears a little bit because I've been saying since the spring – that I really have been asking since the spring, are we sure that there won't be more rush to shake off from Deshaun Watson to start the season? It's why I do want Deshaun Watson to play again in the preseason, in that last game against the Chiefs, because I want him to take as many live... And, and normally I'd feel differently. Normally I'm in the camp of, I don't need to see the starters, rest them, who cares it's the preseason. But in this instance, player who was in a very different situation than anybody's ever had to face going in and joining the team like he did last year with all the off the field all the off the field stuff and then dealing with that suspended for 11 weeks didn't really get to get a, get acclimated with his guys before he was out there for the final 6 weeks yeah i think that he needs to take as many reps as possible in the preseason against uh, live reps against another opponent as possible just to ensure that by the time he gets to the regular season, he's good to go. He's rolling on all cylinders with his offensive starters around him. Because this is the thing. This team cannot afford to get off to a slow start. They need to hit the ground running in week one and go, go, go. Those comments from Zach aren't enough to make me back off the belief 
then I think Deshaun Watson will be okay. But being okay and getting back to a great quarterback, there's a top 10 quarterback in there. It didn't just evaporate into thin air because he didn't play for a couple years. Based on what I've seen so far, Deshaun Watson seems to look more comfortable already, which is good. The offense looks like it could be more electric and has the potential to do that. But I also haven't been out there every day to see all this for myself. I'm only going off of what our local reporters, and shout out to local journalism, by the way, for being the ones on the scene giving us input and insight into what is happening out there at camp every day. But I can only go off of what they tell me. Zach is one of them. I respect him. And if this is what he's seen, then yeah, it raises a little bit of an alarm in me where I definitely want to see more in the preseason before I can just jump and say, yeah, we're good. Let's go out there week one. And I want them to be at a good point going into week one. It's a big game. Division opponent. You got three of your first five against your division opponents. First five weeks, I should say, against your division opponents. Like, there's no time to mess around here. 216-474-0092. What's the, what's the temperature like amidst, amidst the fan base on Deshaun Watson after Zach Jackson's comments today? And this offense as a whole after some of what we've seen play out and understanding how much Elijah Moore is going to be featured, some of the issues they've already had at wide receiver with injuries between him and Marquise Goodwin. Where is your head at at this point? You can also hit me up on Twitter at Spencey2 underscore. We're off and running. Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin here on the fan. Our Browns beat reporter Dale Ryder joins us at 8. See if he can talk us off the ledge a little bit in regards to, well, everything Zach Jackson said this morning. I, I truly do, like, again, it's one person's perspective, and I respect the hell out of Zach Jackson, so I, I take what he says seriously, but there's other people out there seeing different things, and maybe Daryl has a different thought on what he's seen, both out in Philly and elsewhere. So he'll pick his brain on it. But, again, I still am of the belief that Deshaun Watson's going to be okay. But being okay might take a few weeks. Because, in theory, if he's at this point in camp where there's still some questions about the prolificness of this offense and whether or not they're really going to be able to open it up right away. And if he's completely comfortable in the pocket, which is one of the points that Zach Jackson brought up, we'll get to that as well. Then there's still some, th- there's still some kinks to work out and that's fine. You're still in training camp. There's still time to do these things, but I just thought with how much people were raving about how great the offense looked in, at the Greenbrier and in mini camp and all these different things, I would have thought by now, going into your third preseason game and you just had joint practices, we'd have a little bit clearer picture of what it was going to look like. And Zach Jackson kind of slammed on the brakes and made us realize maybe not, you know, don't get ahead of yourself. Pump the brakes. There's still time for them to figure this thing out. But I'm just saying, if this is true, if there's still some ironing out to be had, then I want Deshaun playing more reps with the ones in that game against the Chiefs, I, I I want him to get as comfortable as possible with this offense and with this, this get the guys around him in live action plays before the season starts. Because again, once the season starts, I get it. It's week one. 
there's always a little bit of uh, of growing pains with all these teams. They're all shaking off some sort of rust. I mean, Joe Burrow threw I think four interceptions against the Steelers last week and we last year in week one. Like everybody's a little rusty. Everybody is going to have some some challenges and some hurdles when you just hit start the start button. It's like pulling out your your Nintendo sixty four for the first time in like twenty five years because you're having nostalgia and you want to play a video game. And it might take a little bit for it to start up. That's week one of the season. I, I get it. You might have to blow on the video game a little bit first. But the Browns can't afford that. They need to come out of the gate firing on all cylinders and get people confidence immediately that this group is going to be competitive, that they're going to be a, a, potentially a playoff team, and they need to start compiling wins. They don't have time to waste this is why I'm excited about the potential this team has because on paper, like, the roster looks fantastic. We just talked about the defensive line being great, this new revamped group, Jim Schwartz running the show on that side of the ball, and everyone's raving about how great he is. You got Jason Kelsey talking about how great he is and how well-prepared he has that, that defense in front of the Browns and how much of a challenge they were to go against this week. On the outside, this is this is it. Find me, pick your favorite me on the outside versus me on the inside meme. There's a mil, there's dozens of them out there. There's like a SpongeBob one where it's like him smiling, and then on the outside there's this like ghost figure of him, and he's freaking out. That's me. Outside, outwardly, I'm so excited about this season and the potential that exists for this group. But inside, yeah, I'm nervous. I'm nervous that's going to blow up in my face again. I'm nervous that I'm going to go into another season with belief that this they finally got this roster figured out. Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski together finally have the right recipe and the right group of players to go out there and win at a high level, and then it's just going to end with 7-9 and nine or 6-10, and 10. and we're going to be sitting here wondering, what the hell do we do from here? Every single time in the last five years we thought we've had it figured out with this team, they... Just can't get it done. Are we cursed? Is the, is it true? Are is, are the Browns just destined to never win anything? Like that's where our heads will be at if it doesn't work out this year. And so I'm nervous. I want to see it happen. I think they have the pieces and players to do it. But I need them to prove something to me in meaningful games before that I can crown them anything. What is your temperature on Deshaun after this week of joint practices? Which, by the way. As I said earlier, this was supposed to be the barometer for what this team looks like ahead of the regular season. Live action against a team that was in the Super Bowl last year. Joint practices are always a controlled environment, but they're always an environment that seems like it puts on display for the first time in the preseason what it's going to look like in an actual game setting where you're getting guys really going at each other. Yeah, the preseason gives you some of that, but it's in small doses. This is like an extended period of time that you get this type of work. And so coming out of it and hear what Jack, Zach Jackson had to say has me living in my fears a little bit. 216-474-0092. Also on Twitter. I always say Twitter because I still call it Twitter. But I know it's not really the name anymore. I, I think it's, again, it's one of those things where it's like it's like progressive field. You got the nostalgic Guardians fans out there who will always call Progressive Field the Jake. 
It just, it's just, it's just what it's just, it's never going to go away. It's the same thing with Twitter. I'm just always going to call it Twitter. I don't care. So again, two one six four seven four double nine two on Twitter at Spencito underscore. This raises a good question though, as we talk about rust and how much of it will still exist by the time we get to the regular season for Deshaun and maybe for him within this offense and that group together and how much of, cause here's the other element of this too. Some of it could be, and I don't know why it would be, this is maybe a bad look. Some of it could be that, yeah, it's a new offense. And no, it's not a bad look though, because listen, this offensive line, they played with a completely different quarterback last year in a system that was built and, and set up around different parameters. This year, it's supposed to be set up around Deshaun Watson. So there is a feeling out process. I, I've, I've talked about this as well. Like, yeah, the offensive line has to figure out how to block and set up for Deshaun Watson, on a, on a especially on extended plays. It's why Bill Callahan referenced... Blocking for Deshaun Watson is all about angles, he said, and feel, I think, were the two words he used. There's a feeling-out process for them with Deshaun, and there's a feeling-out process for everybody in this offense. So some of it could be that. Some of it could be three weeks into camp, there's still some kinks to work out just with the offense in general. And maybe, you know, Elijah Moore not being out there in real time hurts it. But again, if your offense revolves only around Elijah Moore, and he's already dealing with an injury in the preseason. Again, I go right back to where I was at the beginning of this conversation. Living in my fears because if it's about that guy and he goes down, what are you left with at the wide receiver position? I know you still got Amari Cooper, but I've said from the start, the example I've used is if Amari Cooper goes down, all you got left is a bunch of unknown commodities by all accounts. You got... Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's gotten better each and every single year, but I don't know that he's your wide receiver one. And you got Elijah Moore, who's shown some flashes with the Jets, but there's a reason why they didn't want to keep him around to play with Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, I got questions. It all comes full circle back to the point that at this point in training camp, to hear what Zach Jackson's observations are about the offense right now is concerning because by now you'd think they'd have it a little bit more organized and understood than what they apparently do. Which leads me to the next thing here, which is, is the defense, you think, going to have to carry this group for the first few weeks of the season? And I know that sounds far-fetched to say, but if this is where we're at, if we're having this conversation right now, and I understand the regular season doesn't start until September 10th, there's still some time here, but... If this is where we're at right now, where we're sitting here questioning if the offense is going to fully have it together by the time the regular season starts, and there's some questions about rust, and there's some questions about feeling each other out still, and all this that we've just kind of gone through here in the opening couple segments of the show. If this is where we're at, but we feel really good about the defense. And coming off of last season, again, that might sound like blasphemy to think, oh, man, this defense is going to be world beaters now. They don't even need to be world beaters, though. That's the thing. They just need to be like a top 15 defense and the offense be what we're all hoping it'll be and the Browns should be okay. But I'm wondering if when the season starts, if we're going to be looking at that group 
to sort of set the tone for this team in the beginning portion of the season as, again, Deshaun maybe shakes off some rust. 216-474-1092. All we hear, there might be some disputed thoughts on how Deshaun's played to this point. Nobody has disputed what the defense has looked like. We're getting daily reports about how deep the defensive line is, how good Miles Garrett looks, how good him and Zadarius Smith together look, and we saw a little bit of Zadarius Smith in the uh, the game on Friday. They added Shelby Harris. Like People are in awe of the revamp of that defensive line. There's a lot of praise being slung to the secondary guys. Martin Emerson Jr., he's had some bad moments, it sounds like, but he's had a lot of good moments, and I think that... You know, is a testament to him getting drafted last year, getting some playing time and experience, and now he's back this year with higher expectations. Team's going to rely on him for a lot of different things. Greg Newsom's back out there. So there is a lot of hype right now about the defense, and it seems like that's a consensus thing. As shocking as it is to think back to where this team was a year ago, not necessarily a year ago this time, but when where they were at the end of last season, we were sitting there with a defense that was just in shambles, miscommunication issues all season, injuries galore, couldn't stop a nosebleed, and a year, uh, several months later, eight months later, we're sitting here talking about a group that could have a major bounce back season and has been completely remodeled in the ilk of their new defensive coordinator. And I'm seriously wondering if we're going to be relying on them to sort of set the tone to start the season while the offense maybe still irons some things out. Because based on what we heard from Zach Jackson today, it sounds like the offense very much still has some things to sort out. 216-474-1092. Got the Guardians game on in studio. We'll certainly react to that when it wraps during the third inning as we speak down in northern Kentucky. T.J. Friedel, what is it, Friedel? Is that yeah, right? Friedel, you got it. I was going to say, I've sort of vaguely have followed the Reds this season because they were very exciting early on and they've come back down to earth. But he just robbed a home run in the top of the inning. I was sitting here talking to you guys about Deshaun Watson, looking up at the TV, and I see this ball going back to quote, uh, or I could use the uh, the Chris Berman, the back, 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 back. It was going back, 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 back. And then Friedel jumped up and just robbed it at the wall. I thought he had no chance either. It looked like it was hit way over his head because Friedel was playing so far up that I was like, oh, okay, this ball is going to get down for at least a double. And then it just kept going. And I was like, oh, it's going to be a home run. And then all of a sudden there he was jumping and bringing it back. My goodness. Guardians could be up 3 nothing. Instead, it's 1-1 at the bottom of the third. We'll continue to keep an eye on that for you. We'll continue talking Browns when we get back. Keep it locked on the fan. Apparently, it is time for me to put some respect on uh, TJ Friedel's name. Dude is just all over the place. Every time I look up at the TV, he's making another great play in, in center field. He brought back a home run. He just tracked down a fly ball. I mean, my goodness. Dude's all over the place. 216-474-1092. We got Daryl Ryder coming up at uh, 8 o'clock. See if he'll talk me off the ledge in regards to... Deshaun Watson and what we've really seen at camp. I Listen, I don't want to sound the alarms on people. I just know the last four to five years, I could have sold water to a whale 
in terms of the Browns. Like it, the, the Browns would be the water in this instance. Like I could have sold the Browns to anybody. And now I'm going into this year a little bit hesitant. I was getting excited because of what we saw on Friday night. And I feel like I kind of needed Zach Jackson to bring me back down to earth. But it has me wondering if there's still some rust to shake off here. If we're going to be looking at this defense to kind of carry the workload early in the season. And look, I understand the defense was bad last year. But I wouldn't be surprised if coming out of the gate when teams are all kind of trying to find their footing and they're all kind of trying to figure out where they fit in the pecking order and how things are, how how their own offenses and their own schemes and their own systems are going to run this year. Why it might take a little bit of time for the offense to get going. And so I do wonder if it's going to be Miles Garrett and company sort of carrying the workload here. And I honestly, I think, do I want to go here? I kind of feel more confident in that side of the ball than I do about the offense right now. And maybe some of that is recency bias. When you got guys like Jason Kelsey raving about how good the defensive line has been going against this week. And again, I mentioned the secondary being so, so good throughout all of training camp, but obviously this week as well. But again, the only thing I have to go off of is what's being reported by our local beat reporters who are on the scene out there in Philly, keeping track of all these things and sharing the information. And if all I'm hearing is that the the defense is so great and the offense maybe from Zach Jackson today has some issues to still to still iron out, then I kind of feel better about the defense. As weird as that sounds, as bad as that side of the ball was last year, I'm kind of going into things feeling a little bit more confident about that group right now. I, you know what it is? I think, and we've we've talked before about the presence of Jim Schwartz. And how that can't be understated. Like the addition of Jim Schwartz may quite literally be the most important addition that this team made in the offseason. Bigger than anything else. The Elijah Moore deal, even if he becomes a focal point of the offense. The uh, Zadarius Smith deal to sort of pair with, with Miles Garrett opposite of each other. Beyond any of that, the biggest thing that the Browns may be, the biggest move the Browns may have made this offseason was moving off from Joe Woods and bringing in Jim Schwartz. And I think I just trust him. There has been nobody in the NFL in, in, in my lifetime from a defensive from a defensive coordinator standpoint. I don't know if there's a defensive coordinator out there who's been more reliable than Jim Schwartz. And no, I'm not. I, I understand. Like if you're gonna you're gonna call in and say what an idiot Bill Belichick's a defensive minded coach. Look at I'm talking like Bill Belichick for my lifetime has been an, uh, has been a head coach. That's all he's pretty much been. So, maybe in my whole lifetime, because I guess 91, he was a defense coordinator with the Giants. I was born then, but whatever. You get the idea. I, uh, for the majority of my life, he hasn't been a defensive coordinator. So I'm talking strictly about guys who have been defensive coordinators in this league. Jim Schwartz has been as reliable as they come, and I have complete confidence that that ain't going to change. His system seems to universally work as long as he gets the guys that fit his system and his scheme. And let's face it, the overhaul they did to the defensive line, 
He definitely got his way and had some say in the way that this team was constructed this offseason, rightfully so. So I, I, I think I'm going into the season feeling more confident about the defense than I am the offense. And, and that's maybe why I am sounding the alarms in my own brain because if we know how, we know how much this season rides on the offense even more so than the defense. Like the defense has to be better than last year, but I said it. If they're top 15, they're straight. The Bengals had a top 15 defense last year, and they almost made it back to the Super Bowl again. They don't have to be the steel curtain defense from the 70s. All they have to be is top 15, solid, and situ- I always look at what defense is situational. If you're, if you're keeping teams off the scoreboard in the red zone, keeping them from, if you're holding them to field goals, in today's NFL, teams are going to gain yards. They're going to throw all over you. They're going to, in between the 20s, you're just, they're just going to eat up yards, and that's just how it is. But how you cramp down in the red zone, and if you're creating turnovers, is what I care about the most. If they can do that, I think they're going to be fine. And I'm not really sweating that with this group because, again, I just have the utmost confidence in Jimmy Schwartz to get the most out of this team or out of that group, out of that side of the ball. Offensively, when you hear what Zach Jackson's saying, and we already had questions about whether or not Deshaun Watson had some rust to still clear, yeah, I'm a little bit nervous. And so much of the season hinges on him and what that group is able to do. 216-474-0092. We go to the phones. Eddie and Westlake, you're up first tonight. What's up, Eddie? Hey, how you doing, buddy? How you doing? Good, good. Hey, let me let me let me ease your mind a little bit, okay? All right, so, listen. Um, you know, I I definitely think Jim Schwartz is an upgrade over um, over Joe Woods, but let's not get it twisted. Uh, Jim Schwartz has had some top some defenses that were in the twenties, okay? Ranked in the twenties overall defense recent, you know. And so, if you have confidence in that, but you don't have a confidence in a guy that has. Um, three years under his belt as a top 10 quarterback and then had, had rust from not playing in a year and a half. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. You know, I don't really know what to tell you because like I said, Jim Schwartz has had defenses that recently that were in the twenties. Now it's so I was just going to say so far, so far this call isn't making me feel better right now. Okay. Well, I'm just letting you know, but, but you, but you're, but you've expressed it. You've expressed confidence. And a guy that has top 20, you said we need to be top 15. He's had some top 20 defenses, but from a philosophy yeah. standpoint, it's a different philosophy because of the pressure that they're going to be applying than what Joe Woods was. Joe Woods was all that zone uh, defense and all that, not putting pressure, you know, and these guys, and he wants to get pressure from his front four, but Joe Woods had just had a different philosophy than yeah. what, you know, Jim Schwartz is about going and getting it. So it doesn't matter the ranking to me because I think the Browns, when it's key situations, they're going to be able to put the pressure on. Well, but that's the key. You, that that is the key. In this guy, and he got from a statistical standpoint, but you're looking at Deshaun Watson, you're just looking at them last games, but you're forgetting that this guy was top seven to ten for three years straight. Well, hold on. To so be, that, Eddie, Eddie, real quick, to be clear, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think we've overrated the six games. I've said that numerous times. I know I'm not always in, so sometimes my, take, my, my thoughts on things don't always resonate with people because sometimes they're listening, sometimes they're not. I get it. But I've said... I think the six-game sample size from last year, I think we've overblown that. Not we necessarily, but other people. I, I, I'm i with you. Like I look back and see a top-ten quarterback the three other seasons that he has played, and I think that that's still in there. But you talk about rust, and I'm just – my question is, is there still rust to shake off when the season starts? And that's no, why I'm sitting here – I don't think so. See, I but I think there is, no especially after you hear no Zach Jackson's no comments. Yeah, I don't care. I mean, I, I'm, I know disrespect – 
no disrespect to Zach Zach Jackson. You know, normally when somebody says that, you're about to get yeah. disrespected. But hey, no no disrespect <laughs> to him. But the reality is, I'm gonna go with them three years of of top seven quarterback over over the oh those six games from last year. I'm just gonna do that. I'm gonna gamble on that. I'm gonna gamble on uh, you know uh, Deshaun Watson picking up his swag from before, and I'm gonna gamble on that versus you know what we've seen six games from last year and he was doing all that and he didn't have any any kind of weapons like what he has right now this dude was top seven with with nothing you know what i mean so i mean you know it's that like last year yeah he, he had obviously deandre hopkins early. Other times. well early in his career like, he had deandre hopkins but yeah then he lost him in that last year in houston yeah. he had nothing you're right he had nothing i mean yeah, yeah. so i mean I'm, I'm i'm okay with that we, right. we just you know I, you know we're, we're gonna be good all right, Eddie. I know you, I, you only got three and a half more weeks to, you know, figure out something to talk about. Yeah, and then we, and then you're going to be good, okay? All right, right Eddie. Uh, I appreciate the call, man. It, I mean, uh, this isn't true, truly. Like, I'm not coming in here just trying to blow smoke up your, your asses here. Like, I, I truly, this is where my head's at. And, and, and that's the thing with training camp. Like, on some level, I think as fans, we tend to, sort of follow the trends and what we're hearing. Like, it, it's training camp, of course. We are, on some level, before we have regular season games to talk about, there's going to be times where we feel really good about the team. There's going to be times we feel really bad about the team or we're nervous about the team. And that goes for the regular season as well. One week, Think about it. This is a week-to-week league anyway. Every single week, what's the main topic? Somehow it's like, how many times did Tom Brady get written off in his career because he played a bad game in like week one or two or three and everyone was like, oh, Tom Brady, finally catching up with him. He's toast. This is the end for Tom Brady. And then by the end of the season, he was back in the Super Bowl. So like week to week, we change our thoughts on these things. We change our opinions on things, and I think we have the right to do that, and that stands for training camp as well. Early on, I was feeling good. After Friday, I was feeling good, but... If I have a reporter who's been to basically every practice who's saying, hey, just pump the brakes a little bit, and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm being hyperbolic because I'm saying sound the alarms. Maybe we don't need to sound the alarms just yet. But if we're at a point where – but if I'm hearing these things from Zach Jackson, it's at least throwing up a little bit of a, a caution flag for me. It's, it's a yield sign. Like, hey, before you get too far ahead of yourself, just keep in mind – there may be some things to still work out here. Eddie is disputing that there'll still be rust to shake off. I get where he's coming from. And I'm actually, I, Eddie, I'm 100% with you, man, in terms of I'm looking back at those other seasons for Deshaun and saying there's a top 10 quarterback in there somewhere. But this is a new team. It's a, it's a system that he's getting still adjusted to and that his teammates around him are still getting adjusted to with him. And he still did miss two straight years of football where he's only played six games since. We're sitting here talking about why Trey Lance isn't panning out in the NFL. Now he isn't getting the rest because he has only played like one full season of football in like the last five or six years. So yeah, there's a, there's, I think there's some truth to him having, having to get himself back to being the quarterback that he was. And it might just take some time and it's not just going to be a snap of the fingers and it's there. I think some of that's been accomplished this offseason, but it's not real games. Two one six four seven four double ninety two. We go to our Browns beat reporter Daryl Ryder. When we get back, we'll get his thoughts on Deshaun Watson and what's transpired out in Philly, and some more on the Browns when we return on overtime with Jonathan Peterman.